Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and this is podcast number 190, and it is also the last podcast of 2015. So we're going to take a little break over the holidays and over the new year, and we're coming back with some really great shows. So if you want to be the first to know about the uh, pretty stellar guests that we have coming up in the new year, follow me at Twitter at Karen Litzy NYC, or hop on over to the website, which is podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and sign up for the newsletter. That's the easiest way to get insider info on all of the podcasts and also to keep up with the exciting news we have coming for 2016. Now, getting on to today's podcast it is brought to you by audible.com. So get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash healthy, wealthy, smart. That's my affiliate link. So hop on over there and sign up. And you don't even, you could just do the one month. You don't have to go on after that. Um, but they have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I listen to Audible all the time. I love it. I'm kind of addicted. Okay. Getting on to today's podcast, we are rounding out 2015 in a big way here. I sat down with Dr. Chris Powers. He is a professor in the Division of Biokinesiology and Physical Therapy and co-director of the Musculoskeletal Biomechanics Laboratory at the University of, Su of Southern California. His research and teaching interests relate to the biomechanical aspects of human movement. More specifically, his research focuses on how altered kinematics kinetics, and muscular actions contribute to lower extremity injury. He is particularly interested in the pathomechanics underlying knee and patellofemoral joint dysfunction. Dr. Powers is an active researcher and has published over 150 peer-reviewed articles. He frequently lectures both nationally and internationally on topics related to lower limb biomechanics and the Pathomechanics of Orthopedic Disorders, and he is also the current president of the California chapter of the APTA. We talk about uh, what the California chapter is doing as far as getting the word out on physical therapy, and it's really great. That's more towards the end of the, of the interview. But like I said, he, he lectures nationally and internationally. If you have the chance to see him in person, do it. I've been lucky enough to see him twice, once at the International Spine and Pain Institute's uh, annual conference over the summer, and he was great. That was a packed house for him. And I saw him again at the next conference, which is given on by the American Physical Therapy Association. Again, this was also back in the summer. And he was part of the Rothstein Roundtable talking about the human movement system. And that's what we talk about in today's podcast. So what is the human movement system? How are physical therapists utilizing this system in education, in everyday clinical practice, and how the human movement system should be the common thread that binds all of physical therapy together. So regardless of whether you are in outpatient, inpatient, acute care, sniffs, wound care, aquatics, pediatrics, it doesn't matter. This human movement system should be the common thread that holds us all together. So we talk about that. We talk about some of the debates uh, on the Rothstein Roundtable. We talk about how physical therapists have a bit of a brand identity crisis going on. And again, we refer back to the human movement system as a way to solidify that brand. 
uh, Dr. Powers tells us what he thinks is missing in the education and in physical therapists right now, which was really great. So it was a great, great conversation. Dr. Powers is a wealth of, of knowledge, and I was really excited to finish out 2015 with him as my guest. So it was really great, and I hope you all enjoy it. And before we go on, just a reminder that for the listeners of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I, like I said, use it all the time. I would personally recommend, let's see, gosh, so many books. Ah, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. I just listened to that. Really great business book. Loved it. My Life on the Road with Gloria Steinem. I highly suggest you listen or read that before 2016. It was an awesome book. Um, And The Girl on the Train. I know it has nothing to do with physical therapy or business, but it's a great book. And I'm looking forward to downloading a couple more books uh, as I travel to my parents in Pennsylvania for Christmas. So head on over to my affiliate link, which is audible.com slash healthywealthysmart. Enroll in Audible, get your free book, get your free month. There's no obligation, just do it. Okay, that being said, let's get on to today's podcast with Dr. Chris Powers. I am sitting here with Dr. Chris Powers, and today we are going to be talking about the human movement system. So, Dr. Powers, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No problem. Glad to be here. Good. And you're rounding out 2015. This is it. This is the last podcast of the year. No pressure or anything. (laughs) (laughs) So, today we're going to be talking about the human movement system, and This was the subject of the Rothstein Roundtable, for those of you who are unaware what that is. That took place during the next conference uh, back in June in Washington, D.C. And you can go to PTJ Podcasts and you can actually download that podcast and listen to the whole entire roundtable discussion, which was really great. And Dr. Powers was part of that. Uh, So today we're going to kind of dive into the human movement system as it stands now at the end of 2015. So first of all, let's, I'm just going to kind of say what the vision statement is, and that becomes important when we talk about the movement system. So for those of you who don't know, the APTA's vision statement for the physical therapy profession is transforming society by optimizing movement to to improve the human condition. So out of that, Dr. Powers, where does the human movement system fit in? Well, the the main the main issue here is I mean let me let me step back and talk about the vision statement for a second mm-hmm. is that the profession really needs a an identity and really what um, I think the leadership the APTA have have realized over the years is that we really lack a unifying concept and identity um, that we share among ourselves and then, of course, the patients we serve. And the, the, key, the key 
uh, word in that vision statement is optimizing movement. And um, and I, I think the, the the main issue here is that you know physical therapists really own movement, and the big issue has always been so you know really what makes what makes the physical therapist unique professionally compared to any other healthcare practitioner like a, a chiropractor or an athletic trainer or a personal trainer, etc. So really we own movement and we are the experts in the evaluation and treatment of movement dysfunction. And in at our core, at the physical therapy core, that's really what we do. And, and I think that's really what separates us from any other healthcare practitioner. So so with that being said, the you know, the idea now is okay, so what is movement or how, what is the human movement system and really to kind of summarize what, what is our unique knowledge base really what is it that makes us separate you know from anyone else um, and, and that really goes back to what our training is and what we learn in school um, and what we learn post-professionally and uh, the idea came about that we would um, kind of rally around a central theme and that central theme being the human movement system and uh, now the, the the main problem was that we don't have a definition what is the human movement system and and I think the APTA realized well we don't have a good definition of this and uh, so I was part of the task force that was charged to come up with defining the human movement system and and really to provide the basis for everything moving forward. And uh, so, you know, the task force, the, the definition we came up with, the human movement system comprises the anatomic structures and physiologic functions that interact to move the body or its component parts. So it's a very, you know, it's a short, concise statement. But if you think about it, you know, that is really what we're all about. And, and if you go back and look at your training as a physical therapist, that's what you learn. You know, you know, if you look at the total body knowledge, whether it's, you know, in the area of musculoskeletal, cardiopulmonary, uh, 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 neurology, everything dealing with the nervous system, you know, everything that we learn all interacts together. Uh, to move the human body. And really that is what we do. We are the experts uh, at being able to evaluate and treat this movement system. So it's really, it's a system comprised of multiple systems. And, and that's kind of how um, we look at it. But you know, in our view, this is really the unique body of knowledge of the physical therapist. And when you're talking about the human movement system, like you said, comprised of other systems, you're including in that system cardiopulmonary, uh, neurological yeah. system, urological system. All these things are included within the human movement system because, I mean, I'm pretty sure most people have a heart and a lung and Absolutely. a nervous system. So it's not just you. Uh, a patient comes in with a hip problem and you just target only the hip. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's a very integrated system. And and to be honest with you, you know, we we've been very isolated, you know, historically. You know, the uh, the orthopedic physical therapist, you know, kind of forget patients have brains, mm-hmm. you know, and that the nervous system is a huge part of how people move and probably is a big part of why they're injured in the first place. You know, on the other side, the 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 neurologic physical therapist kind of forgets sometimes that there's gravity and biomechanics and, and joint issues and muscle strength issues as well. So, you know, we really, in practice, tend to be really separated by our domains. But in reality, you know, we're, we treat the entire movement system. And, and, and in order to do that, you have to be an expert in all the subsystems. Mm-hmm. You have to have a body of knowledge of all the subsystems, you know, and that's why we take courses in neuroanatomy and neurophysiology and, you know, all those types of things. Um, it's just not muscles and bones. Yeah, and, and during the roundtable discussion, Lisa Saladin, am I, am I saying her name right? Saladin? Lisa Saladin. Saladin. Yeah. Oh, the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, so she sort of talked about this human movement system as a paradigm shift, a paradigm shift in the way we think of our identity as physical therapists. So where does this paradigm shift start? And then how is it reinforced and and implemented through a career? Well, I, I think, a, you know, the term paradigm shift is, you know, kind of misleading. I, I don't think we've all of a sudden just discovered, oh, this is really what we do. We've mm-hmm. always have been doing this, you know. Um, this has always been our unique body of knowledge. But in reality, we're just kind of repackaging it and refocusing a bit um, to provide the, the bigger picture in, in the bigger context. Um, so it's really getting people to rethink exactly what we do professionally. And um, so where does this start? I, you know, I really think it, I think it needs to start in our educational systems. I, I think um, in PT school, uh, you know, students you know, come into PT school, they're bombarded with a myriad of courses. I mean, they're just swamped taking six, seven courses a semester, and they're learning so much, and all this knowledge is being thrown at them. And sometimes they lose sight of the big picture, you know. um, You know, why are we learning all this stuff, and how does it all fit together? And that is really the key, is that everything that we learn really needs to be taught in a more integrated fashion that, you know, what you learn in neuropathology is going to help you treat orthopedic patients with knee pain, for example. Um, so it has to be more integrated, this body knowledge, and, and I think it really has to be emphasized in a way that when students graduate, they really understand the big picture. And uh, I think we've lost sight of the big picture. And I think this is what we're trying to do is kind of bring, come back and say, look, this is really what makes us unique. Um, you know, we have to be thinking ourselves as this in, in the bigger, in the bigger sense, the bigger context. So I, it, it's going to, you know, it's more of a thought process thing. I, you know, I don't think 
I think I think we just need to teach a little more integrated and and um, really provide the framework basically. And so it's sort of getting to the why of the profession. And so if you were to ask thirty PTs, well, what is your why behind what you do? Would you get a myriad of answers? I think maybe you would. So how? What is what? In your opinion, what is the why? our why behind what we do. If you well, were to articulate it in, you know, 30 seconds or something, I don't know. What, well, you're, you're absolutely right. So let me, let me back up for a sec. So yeah. um, you're right. If I, if you ask, and I do this all the time, mm -hmm. you know, when I lecture on this topic is I ask the audience, let's say, okay, turn to the person next to you and you have 30 seconds to describe what is it that you do. So you're a physical therapist. And imagine you're in an elevator and you're going up and someone asks you, hey, what do you do? So you got, you know, you got 15 seconds to describe what you do as a physical therapist. And, and the issue is, I guarantee you, you ask 30 people, you're going to get 30 different answers. Mm -hmm. Not that one is better than the other or one is right or one is wrong. They're all correct. But the problem is they're all different. And that poses a problem because the consumer, the, the public, is not really clear about what it is we do. You know, you ask anyone, hey, what's the difference between a physical therapist and an athletic trainer? They couldn't tell you. If you, ask, if you ask a consumer, what's the difference between a chiropractor and a physical therapist? They probably couldn't tell you. Mm -hmm. They'd be confused. So mm -hmm. we do not have a unique identity and, and even among ourselves in the profession, we don't have a consistent message, message that we're delivering to the public and our payers and everyone that we deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I think that is a, I think that's a huge problem. And, and really, you know, how I'd answer this, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a physical therapist and, oh, what's a physical therapist? Well, you know, I'm, I'm an expert in the evaluation and treatment of movement dysfunction. And, and that's really what I do. I evaluate and, and diagnose and treat you to improve your physical function. And, and that may mean that as part of that, I need to reduce your pain. I have to improve your range of motion. I have to improve your strength. I have to provide mobility here or there or whatever. So you know, we use our techniques with the bigger aim to improve, to optimize your movement, to improve your well-being, which is exactly what our vision statement it, says. Exactly. And, you know, I and was... If we, and if we could get every physical therapist in the country to be able to articulate that and mm -hmm. say that consistently, we can better build our brand, our identity. Sure. And people would know what we do. Sure. Yeah, I was once at a, a meetup group for a mastermind that I'm in where no one was a PT. As a matter of fact, no one there was, even worked in healthcare. And we had to stand up and say in five words what we do. That's it. Five yeah. words. That's tough. It's tough. And I think I said... I help people improve movement. I think that's what I said in five words. That's hard. Yeah, so, well, so that's, try, try that's that great. challenge. Five words. <laughs>
And then, but you know, if if you had said, for example, I reduce your pain. Let's say let's say you took that approach, which, mm-hmm. which a lot of people do. That's a big part of sure. what orthopedic physical therapy is about. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, except that I'm sure a chiropractor could say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure an acupuncturist could probably say the same thing. Sure. A you doctor know, could say the same thing. A doctor a could pharmacist could say the same thing, a pharmacist technically. Could say, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. that doesn't make us unique. And so now when someone is, you know, has a problem, why should they see us versus someone else? Mm-hmm. And we need to really start to rally around this concept. Because in reality, that, that is what we do mm-hmm. at, our, at, our, at the core. Yeah, that's our why. Um, if you're a Simon Sinek fan, you know, he has that, you know, that his thing is, is know your why. So that you're right. That is our why. That's our core. Now, going back to the education part of it, um, if you're sort of teaching this human movement system, this integrated thinking, um, what I hear a lot from students is it's all about the test. So, so where does CAPD fit in? Where does, you know, if it's not on the test, is it going to be something that's really internalized? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I... It's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, um, or the national exam is really just testing you on your knowledge base. Mm-hmm. So, you know, which is fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, they're going to test you in all the different areas of, of practice in our science. But... It, you know, I, I'm not worried about that. It's it's really um, the bigger picture. What how students perceive what they're learning in school and how they see it all fits together. Mm. And I I think that I'm not really worried about the exam. It's really about how it's presented in the curriculum. And the problem is students get very they they they're in silos. You know, okay, this semester we're in the orthopedic semester and we're going to learn how to examine the knee, the shoulder, the spine. Mm-hmm. And then they s- flip gears, and now we're in the neurology semester. And now we're learning about neuroanatomy and how to treat patients with stroke, et cetera. So they become, er- the education becomes very compartmentalized. And then pilots. I think that kind of carries over then into your practice after you graduate, because you may say, oh, I really enjoyed pediatrics, so I'm just going to go that route. Or I enjoyed orthopedics, I'm sticking to outpatient sports medicine or what have you. And, and I think, and you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it, during the roundtable discussion, you uh, said the phrase, are, sometimes we're one, each di- one inch deep and two miles wide with our profession. Uh, and yeah, we... So can you yeah. kind of explain well, that a little bit? That I because I thought that was very it was a it was a great quote. Well, the, we we the, do everything. Yeah, we we, I mean, we're in pediatrics, geriatrics, uh, orthopedics, neurology, um, cardiopulmonary. You know, we, do, we do wound care. Mm-hmm. We're in emergencies rooms. We're in ICUs. We are we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, which is great, and there's mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. Um. You know, we were very specialized. I mean, just look at all the um, sections that we have in the APTA. I think mm-hmm. there's 
17 different yeah, sections now. And we're in health policy. We're, research. you know, aquatic therapy. We're in, you know, you name it, mm-hmm. we're there. And I, I think we are, which is great, but it, back in the end, what, what brings all, what's the common unifying theme among all these apparently different areas? And we have to really unify around the concept of movement. And that's mm-hmm. really what pulls us all back together. And you're right. We are, we are, we're two miles wide and an inch deep. And, you know, sometimes we get criticized because we're not, we're, we know so much, but we don't, we're not experts in anything sometimes. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> sometimes that becomes a problem. Right, and that's but, and that's kind of bringing back to what you said in the beginning of having sort of a brand identity crisis and where do we fit into the healthcare system or even beyond healthcare, what about fitness? What about, you know, I think that there sports, there's a lot of areas that we can fit into keeping this movement system and keeping our expert in movement as that overriding message right now there is one fundamental issue in education i think i I think we do have a an achilles heel and uh this is the main thing i think that really needs to change is that okay so if we are the experts in the evaluation treatment and movement dysfunction if that's really at a core what we're doing or what we should be doing then we really need to emphasize the basic skill of the physical therapist and that is movement analysis Mm. and that's something I think is really fallen by the wayside you know and I I think we've become very you know technique driven Um, you know oh we have to you know we got to you know mobilize L4 and L5 and we have to do a PA glide here and you know, um, I have to learn the uh, NDT techniques or BOBAP techniques or the Yonda method. You know what I mean? We're, mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm a Maitland physical therapist right. and I'm a manual therapist and um, I, I do McKinsey. You know, we become just this technique driven. You know, oh, I, you know, I have to take a kinesio taping course, you know, I, you know, I mean, it <laughs> kind of drives me crazy sometimes, yeah. but, but, um, and, but, and we learn a lot of these skills in school, mm-hmm. in PT school, but one thing that we do not learn well, which is critical to our success in this area is movement analysis. Yeah. And, Oh yeah, well, you know. Oh, I I took gait analysis. We had a lecture on it or a semester on it. That that's not even that's not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we the the ability to analyze to evaluate movement is the is really our unique skill, and and we're not learning that well in school. And you know, most physical therapists do not, I think, do a good job at being able to evaluate high level movement well. Some do, but the new grads, I think, really struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's that's really fundamental to us moving forward here. And so I, if I were to criticize anything or something that we really need to focus in on in this next generation of students, really making them experts 
in the evaluate movement analysis. And I, I think that is really, whether it's running, jumping, walking, mm-hmm. getting out of a chair, um, you know, getting out of bed. Yeah, rolling over in bed. I mean, whatever, rolling over, whatever, whatever your patient it is. needs to do. Whatever it is, yeah. we, we need to be evaluate how they're doing it, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well, to be able to make corrective actions, to understand, okay, in order to get this person to run better, I need strength here, I need mm-hmm. mobility here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need, that's really what we need to focus on. Right, because then it comes down to, let's say you're evaluating someone and we'll just take you know, uh, L4-5, right? And you're, you're evaluating the mobility there. And let's say they have a restriction uh, at L4-5, but uh, upon your movement analysis, they're fine. So then are you stuck to that technique of, well, let me, quote unquote, fix L4-5, fix the stiffness at L4-5 when maybe it had nothing to do with how they move or what they do. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, sure. So then... At that point, does the technique supersede the analysis? Well, you know, if someone, you know, if if someone's having problems lifting something off the ground, and you know, you analyze them, you look at them, and you realize, well, they have a hard time maintaining a neutral spine position, uh, and that's probably why they're getting some back pain with lifting. Mm-hmm. I mean. And then you have to, the next step is, okay, so why are they having a hard time maintaining the neutral spine mm-hmm. position? Do they have weak trunk stabilizers? Do they have limited spinal mobility? Um, you know, then you go into the next level of, okay, you know, the movement analysis tells you what is wrong. It doesn't tell you why it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And the why comes with your physical exam. And maybe you find that there's, um, you know, limited... Uh, lumbar extension. They can't really get to the appropriate position you want them to, and you realize there's segmental limitations, and now you have to mobilize the lumbar spine to improve extension in order to achieve a neutral spine position so you can lift without pain. So right, but that's then you have really to analy- that's, analyze that movement again. Exactly, and then you recheck it. Yeah. But, but in reality, we just put people on the table many times and we don't really look at how they move or what their issues are and we mm-hmm. just go right into treating impairments right. Um, right. W- without understanding how it affects the overall movement. Right. So it's like it's a, a lot of times you fall into that treating the signs and symptoms versus the root cause of the problem or, exactly. maybe, or we, maybe not seeing the patient as a whole. We end up treating symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. uh, and, and part of that is, you know, in our, our current healthcare environment, and, you know, we have very limited time with our patients now mm-hmm. because of payment issues. Sure. And, and, you know, we're just, we're just doing what it takes to get by, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you're seeing two or three patients an hour, it's, hard. I mean, it's really hard. You, you don't have the time to do yeah. a lot of what we're supposed to do. Absolutely. You end up having or being forced into treating something so it's a big it's a big issue yeah it's and and what are the biggest barriers to the adoption of this movement symptoms or implementation of the movement systems across the profession what are what are the barriers yeah what i i know like in the in the round table there were 
resistance to change, wording, application to practice. But the big one seemed to be what I think Barbara said, Barbara Norton, and, and you said was terminology. So what does that mean? Well, I mean, obviously, if, if we're going to become, you know, experts in evaluation of movement, then we have to have a consistent method and terminology to describe it. You know, how do we do this in a reliable, valid way? Mm -hmm. um, what do we call it? How do we diagnose it? I mean, that's, that's a... That was Shirley Sarman's big issue is, you know, we, we need to be able to diagnose movement dysfunction and, and, and label it and have a consistent labeling system. Um, you know, so these are all challenges that we have in front of us. Because mm -hmm. um, right now, there, we don't have a consistent way of doing this. Mm -hmm. we, we do not have a consistent way of evaluating and diagnosing movement dysfunction across the different domains of physical therapy. That, you know, I think, you know, like Shirley Sarman has her, her way of doing it and her terminology. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the only or the best. And, you know, how do we do this? How do we teach it in school? Yeah. Yeah. And then when you get out of school, like you said, you have all of these different points of view from different continuing education entities. So, if you're, like you said, you're McKenzie, their terminology is, is perhaps different from Shirley Sarman's, who might be different from IPA, who might be different from, I don't know, there's so many out there, but I have, I've kind of lost count. Right. No, you're right. That, and that's a barrier. Yeah. Um, the other barrier is what, what happens in practice, and, mm -hmm. you know, and if this behavior is not being reinforced... Right. When students are out on clinical rotations, then obviously they're not learning it, right. they're not applying it. Um, our, the healthcare of the, or the business of physical therapy is really a, a major barrier as well. You know, we don't have the time with our patients. We really don't even have time to do a, a thorough evaluation many times. Yeah, we're absolutely. Ru we're rushed. Absolutely. Let, you know, we barely have enough time to get to a, a, a basic clinical exam, let alone a movement exam. Mm -hmm. And it's just, there, there are a lot of barriers. Yeah. So in theory, this all sounds great, but, you know, um, I, I know Tony DeLito is part of the um, roundtable mm -hmm. expressed, you know, he's... He, he's uh, what's the holdup? What's the holdup? <laughs> let's, let's just do it now. Let's yeah. Just do it. And, uh, um, you know, he's, I think he said he's impatient. Um, yes. <laughs> but, you know, in reality, it's just, I think this is going to be a generational thing. I, I think, in my opinion, this will be, this will take a long time to really um, change how we view our profession, how we teach it, how we practice it. And it, it's not like we can just flick a switch and start doing it. Uh, I, I think it's just going to, it's just going to take a different thought process, a right. different way to look at it. And, you know, if we start here, that's great. I, I'm not convinced it's going to happen in my career, mm -hmm. but um, at least we can get it started. I mean, Shirley Sarman's been talking about the, this type of approach and vision and linking our identity to movement for since, I think, 19... 
77 or whatever. Wow. Her, her, Mary, her Mary McMillan lecture, I think, was in 1997. And, I mean, it's just, you know, it's been almost 20 years since mm-hmm. then. And, mm-hmm. and we really haven't moved the bar. So I, I, I'm not fully optimistic that, it's, that we're really going to just flick the switch in the next two years and, okay, we're there. We're and there. We're, we're ready to go. And, exactly. and then I guess the, the last question is, let's say this is at whatever point in time it is adopted by physical therapists across the board, regardless of whether they're in the APTA or out of the APTA. So this is adopted by, by physical therapists across the board. So then how do we as a profession simplify, and I don't mean dumb down, but simplify the definition to be applicable across all of our populations that we serve? I know that's a big question. Well, I, well, I think the definition of the movement system that we came up with, I mean, it, it's about as concise as it can possibly be. Um, and, and I think any physical therapist, regardless of their domain, would look at this definition and and see themselves in it. You know, I, the human movement system comprises the anatomic structures and physiologic functions that interact and move the body or its component parts. I, I think wherever you practice and whatever your practice is, I, I think that um, they see themselves in it. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I that was our challenge is like how do we create a definition yeah. that really everyone can embrace and I and I think we did it I I I like it um, and, and how maybe, about, maybe I'm biased I'm biased no I, I think it no I think it is a good definition and I think PTs get it um, for those that even know that this, it exists which hopefully now after listening to this more people know that it exists um, but then how do we articulate that to a patient or how does that then so if a patient were to ask me what's the human movement system and I said that would I get a blank stare if they're not you know proficient in in the lingo you know what I mean yeah yeah I think the movement system is more for us Mm -hmm. yeah I I don't think this is something that we're going to put out there on billboards to educate the public I, I I think this is more for for us professionally, internally, um, you know, I, I think that when we talk to our patients, you know, we have to really emphasize really what our unique contribution to their healthcare is. So, so for example, a patient comes in to see me for knee pain, um, and let's say they're a runner and they have patellofemoral pain, for example. I'm going to say, look, I'm. Um, I, I know you saw your orthopedist uh, last week and they did an MRI of your knee and everything looks normal, uh, but I know you still have pain, so you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to evaluate how you run, I'm going to look at your movements, and I'm going to figure out why you have knee pain because there's nothing structurally wrong with your knee. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it must be a movement-related issue or biomechanical issue. So... You know, this is really what my expertise is, and I'm going to figure out why you're having pain with movement. And um, then we're going to examine you and figure out why you're moving that way, and we're going to come up with a treatment plan. That so, seems perfectly I mean, reasonable. And, and I think if we talk to our patients that way, mm-hmm. uh, or 
you know, that's a way to educate the patient on terms of, okay, oh, I, I get it. That's why I'm here. Um, you know, as you know, or as, you can do the same for back pain. You know, um, so anyways, that that's kind of yeah. you know, I I think this definition is more for us for us yeah. more internally, um, got it, professionally, and it, it, you know, yeah, it, and it, and I thank it, you for that example of how you would speak to your patient. I think that's going to be really helpful for people. Great. Yeah, I think that's going to be really helpful. So, you know, we're kind of running, running low on time here, but um, I just kind of want to finish out the conversation with what would you say are your biggest take-home points on the human movement system for people listening, regardless of whether they're a, a PT or a student or not even a PT? What are the biggest take-home What's the biggest take-home message? I, I think the major take-home message at this point is professional identity. And I, I think what we really need to start doing as a profession and individually as physical therapists is really promoting ourselves uh, in terms of what it is that makes us unique and really what separates us from other healthcare uh Practitioners, and um, we really need to start rallying around a central theme that brings all of us together um, in a way that makes sense to us and the consumer. And so, yeah. I, I think really, in my, I think the, the take-home message here is really about identity and really starting to, um, you know talk about what we do in terms of not what makes us similar to everyone else, but really what makes, what us, makes unique. us unique. And, and you know, I, a little shout out, you're in California, you're the president of the California Physical Therapy Association, and they have a great, um, I believe it's the California Physical Therapy Association, yes. has a great um, tagline, if you will, or... Physical therapists improve the way you move. Yes, which and is great. That, and we are, we're actually, you know, that is our branding slogan for our public um, awareness campaign. Physical therapists improve the way you move. And we are, you know, we have, you know, um, radio spots and ads and magazines. And um, we even were in Southwest Magazine oh, nice. um, this year. Yeah. Maybe some of you guys saw that. But... We're really trying to promote this brand in terms of educating the public in terms of what we do. Yeah, and I think you know, and that's why great. And why they should see us as opposed to a chiropractor. Right, right. Or, or get surgery or take pills. Exactly. Or, exactly. you know, all, all that stuff. Well, exactly. I, think, I think it's a great uh, way to end the show, and this was a great way to end 2015 here on the podcast. So I thank you very much for taking the time out and coming on. My pleasure. It was fun. Great, great. And everyone, thanks so much for, for listening uh, this whole year. It's been a great year. And um, next year, taking a little break, uh, a hiatus, I guess, for the holidays. So everyone have a happy holiday and, and a great new year. And when we come back in 2016, we're 
starting out with uh, with a bang, um, and I'll have an announcement as to who the first guest is um, in, in once I have it all all set up and done. So everyone, thanks so much. Have a great uh, rest of 2015, and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.